Oh, Yahweh, thank you again for this yet another day to share your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom from your word. Father God, guide me, teach me so that I can share with those that have an ear to let them hear and listen to your truth, Father God, to seek your face. So, to share with you today, I believe I've shared with you before about seeking and things that the Bible tells us about that. And there's a there is a really, really profound difference between just looking for something and seeking something. When you seek to find something, you really want to find it. You really, really want to find it. It's something that's important to you something that means a lot to you. There may be various reasonings. It's the import that you put into it. But we're told in the Bible, Paul shares this in his letters and he's teaching and Jesus very much tells us the same thing. We can find this, but it's the import of God in our lives. And how important is that? He is, as he told Moses, he told Moses, uh, when Moses asked me, he said, who did I, who did I tell him to send me? Hey, you, I'm talking to you and you're in a burning bush. Of course, the bush isn't burning and being consumed, and I'm talking to you, but who do, who do I tell him sent me? You know, and I imagine that Moses might have tried to be reasonable. I mean, you know, God, I, I can't tell him that I that the bush sent me. And God gave him a very specific response. And of course, in his very profound God voice, you tell them I am sent you. I am sent you. I was, I am now, and I will be sent you. And of course, we learn later on that God gave us permission to call him Yahweh. And that means maker of all things. But then, of course, as you have, and I've shared before, the, the religious leaders said, decided that, wait a second, Yahweh, that's that's too holy. 
and we're not worthy to call him Yahweh. So what we're going to do is we're going to break his name up. You can say the first part, you can say the second part, and you can say it without this letter or that letter. And they made all these rules governing God. Isn't it fascinating how uh, you have these false teachers and these perverts that twist and malign the word that want to change the word of God to be more relevant now? They're doing the exact same thing now that they were doing then. They want to twist everything around and make it for them. Oh, you can't call God. Wait a second. You can't call God, but God told us we could. God gave us permission. The maker of all things made, the sovereign Lord God Almighty who created you there, high priest, told us we could call him Yahweh. He gave us permission to do so. But you tell us that we can't call him that, that that's too holy for us, but it's okay for you to call him that when you go in that little curtained off room. It's okay for you to talk to him there, but we can't do that. And we have to come through you anyway. So God told us we can call him that, but we can't call him that because you say so. And this is the problem that Jesus had with religion, and, and I have, because I have learned through my life, um, seeing things that we become very, very ritualistic and very ritual oriented toward a lot of things. And it has, you know, stand up, sit down, lean to the left, lean to the right, you know, all that. They, we used to make fun of places that, when I was younger, we used to make fun of places and churches and things that went, because they were so very ritualistic. You had to stand up at a certain time, you had to sit down at a certain time, you said a certain verse, and then you stand up and sit down quickly. And, you know, so we used to lean to the left, lean to the right, stand up, sit down, fight, 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 you know, kind of, you know, football chanting thing. And so we used to make fun of them. But the sad truth is that there's many religions, and this is, this is the aspect of that Jesus was teaching, the problem that he had with religion. And Jesus did not appreciate religions for that reason because they are not about God. They're not about love of God. They're not about teaching the love of God. They're not about unity. They're about separation and derision and as far from loving God as they could possibly be. And they would keep God in these little carved on ornate boxes and vases and and on Sunday, and it was interesting, and I've actually been in a couple that were, I can never figure out what it is until I, really until now, realizing that that's what they were doing. They'd have these little urns, these little boxes, and during the Sunday services or whatever they were doing, they would have them open, and they'd be up in one end of the altar, and then at the end, they'd close it up. And there was nothing that they went to and took it out or, or anything. So it was almost as if they were allowing God to come out and move around while they were teaching or preaching from the pulpit. And when they were done, then they would close the box up. God had to go jump back in his box. See, that's the problem. That's a problem with religions and not the truth. And problems that arise from religions that teach that way. 
God is not a puppet on a string or he's not a little puppy to be let out and exercised when you decide that he's going to come. And this is the problem that so many of these individuals, and I've shared this, he was a very prominent televangelist at one time, and of course he's pretty much disappeared, but he became very wealthy, was very rich, very assaultive, very arrogant, very self-centered, and not teaching about God and 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 uh, a very dear friend had an encounter with the individual when he actually put his hand on him and started choking him and had his security guards be, and the, the airport security had to come down and, and then they kind of went off through the crowd and disappeared. But this was supposed to be a man of God, a teacher of the word of God, a, te a supposedly... So he was teaching false doctrine. And Jesus taught us to be careful of these individuals. But one of his exercises would be that he would, he would call God down to curse anyone that spoke negatively about his ministry. Well, major problem there. It's not his ministry. It's God's ministry. Just like this is not my podcast. This is not my... This was a gifted to me from God. And I tried really hard not to slip up and call it my podcast, or even when I'm talking to other people about it, because it's not mine, it's his. I lurked, looked and sought to see how I could do this, and I found an application, and I just, I prayed about it. I said, God, if this is something that you condone or think that I should do and thinks this is a good way for me to get your word out to more people and more distance. You make it happen because I can't see how I'm going to do this. I mean, it was literally going to cost me thousands of dollars to get this started. And then I've shared for the glory of God, I've been doing it now for three years, four years, goodness gracious. Every day, and sometimes twice a day, sometimes three times a day. Depends when the Holy Spirit gets, and sometimes he does it. He'll stir me up and get me all worked up about something specific, and he gets me here to share. And as you can see, and if, if you've li been listening for a while, you find that I get a little verbose as I've been told I can be and I just I like to talk about God I like to talk about the word but I also realize too that I can get a little long-winded but talking about God is it's so beautiful it's so powerful and so important but I'm going to share some things with y'all that um are very important that we have to remember that that God is the great I am. He's always with us. He's always around. And that when we when we have him in with us and we're not putting him in this little box and we're not giving in, you know, you have him around and with us all the time. But we have these um we put him into a mental box. I think sometimes what happens is we mentally compartmentalize God. We do that in our own minds. 
And in doing that, we don't have, we don't, in our mindset, we don't have God out with us all the time. And we become convinced that God is not until we give him a call, until we ring the bell. It doesn't exactly work that way. But we, in our finite minds, tend to do this. This is why it was important that Jesus shared this. We're going to go over to Matthew 22. And Jesus is teaching here, actually. Um, where am I at? I want to make sure I'm sharing this properly. And Jesus is te has been teaching... And you have the they they were always the the first circles that their their lawyers and their the they were always trying to see if they could get Jesus trapped into something. <laughs> they were always trying to twist things around, um, and it was always interesting to read around the scriptures how this was done. And how Jesus always just, he didn't have to worry about anything at all because, of course, he was the Son of God. And in this particular instance that we're, I'm sharing with you that... Um, <laughs> I'm going to digress a little bit here and... and I want to keep on track, but I want to I want to share this a little bit. That you you realize that the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, they're different groups, and they had the judges that sat in between. They had to keep them from fighting with each other. Interesting group of folks, and they were always trying to call Jesus in. But um, in this particular instance, the Pharisees had heard what Jesus had done with just by his authority. He didn't get a antagonistic with him and just by, simply by his authority he had shut the Sanhedrin the Sadducees down they couldn't respond to anything he said they didn't have an answer because they didn't speak truth and he did but the import about this is that Jesus teaches that what we need to do always have focus on God and that um, what Jesus tells us in twenty two thirty seven, Jesus said unto him and this is when one of the lawyers was trying to draw Jesus into a, a little trap. <laughs> yeah, that went well. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he went on, Tell them further, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And we find that we can't, that's a very difficult task. But if we have the love of God truly in us, that we will seek to do that thing. That's what we want to do because this is <clears throat> the right way to do it. And when I say seek, we will have to go to him. We will have to go to the Holy Spirit. And you know we're going to have to get help because we can't do that on our own. 
We can't. Without God's love, we cannot do that. And God's love is that, that I've shared with you before, is that agape love, unconditional love. There is no, you can't buy, you can't pay it. And, and we have this tendency to, um, well, I don't love him anymore. I don't love her anymore. I, we're done. We're all, and just walk away. But if you have God's love, you don't do that. And we need to make sure that we seek that thing. We need to seek that. And I'm going to share a couple things, a couple points here. I, I actually went and started looking for these. It's important. Seeking. And we find that there's, <clears throat> pardon me, there's several scriptures that talk about seeking. Psalm 105, 2 through 4, seek the Lord and his strength. Um, in Psalm 27, David talks about seeking his face. And in Genesis, we're going to go back up here to the front portion. And this is in Genesis where we're talking about Isaac. This is when Isaac meets Rebecca, <clears throat> and Isaac used to do this thing on him fairly regularly, actually. And in Genesis twenty four sixty three, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the even time. Sun was going down. End of the day. They'd probably already had supper. And you remember that I've shared that with you before, is that supping is far more than what it is today. Now they just come in, stuff their face, and they've got the phone parked in front of them, and they're playing games, and they don't talk and interact with each other. But back in those times, and when I was younger, supper was important. You had interaction. You had interpersonal conversation, things that were going on. But Isaac went out into the field in the evening to, to be with him and God. And he went out to meditate on God. The Bible tells us that we need to take time to do that. This helps us to increase in our faith. And the Bible tells us diligence and immersion in our faith, prayer, meditation. It helps us strengthen all these, all of this within us. That's an important thing for us to do. And there's many people, I've actually had others so-called, and I say that, I use that term loosely, but I mean, how can you scoff at something that's in the word of God? And when somebody tells me that they're a Christian or uses that phrase, and then they scoff, at something that comes directly from the word of God to tell us to do that very thing. Meditate, we were talking about meditation. They were, they were actually, during the course of the conversation, they were making all these little noises and, 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 and literally scoffing at the thought of meditation. 
and then they were making comments about something they obviously didn't know about it, and they obviously hadn't tried it, and they were speaking not of knowledge, but out of foolishness. It doesn't require little gongs, it doesn't require little bells, it doesn't require little symbols on your fingers that you clang every couple of words that you say. Meditation is just a focused thought of a specific thing. Now, what is that specific thing? God. God's love, the Lord God-centered in our lives, and that's what you're thinking of. You're thinking of his word. Yeah, maybe there's a scripture or something that really sticks with you and that you learned and you just remember it and you can just kind of in your mind say that to yourself over and over and over again. And when you take that time to spend with God, God will make time to come and visit because you're sacrificing your time and giving it to him. And, and there are individuals that just, oh, I can't do that. I can't take time for that. That takes away from my day. Well, first of all, it's not your day because tomorrow is not promised. And if it wasn't God's breath in your lungs to get you up out of bed and move you around during the course of the day, you wouldn't have a day. So how can you possibly say you're, you're usurping God's sovereignty and his authority and you're taking it upon yourself and saying, oh, I can't, I can't spend time, I can't take time out of my day for that. I can't take time out of my, time, out of my day for God. Why not? God stepped off of his throne and came down here and hung on the cross and died. His only begotten son, Jesus Christ, came down here and died for you because he saw you from a far distance that we are going to need that. But you can't take time out from your day to meditate on God and to focus thought process on God. Hmm. Diligence and immersion. Diligence and immersion. Immersion is deeply engaged or involved and you are absorbed. You put your whole body into it. And, and speaking in a baptism, when you immerse, it's your whole body. You don't just do a little sprinkling. Your whole body gets put underwater. Immersion. Your whole body goes in. Your whole body is involved. And this is this is actually what we the way we should do with our study and meditating and seeking in God's truth, knowledge, and wisdom that we go when we go into the word about this. And this is what we should do. We should immerse ourselves into it. The whole body, our body, mind, heart. Jesus talks about this. And it is when we are concentrating, <clears throat> pardon me, sorry about that, 
on one course of instruction or subject or project to exclude any, anything else. Nothing else matters but that. And again, there are individuals that say that they're Christian, but they can't do that that I just shared. They can't immerse themselves in it. I can't take that time out from my day. Okay, now you just establish again that your time and your day is much more important than God. This is that thing I shared with you before about time and the relevance of time giving to God. They, they tie in. Time is this commodity that we have affixed much more importance and value to than any other, anything else. You don't want to share your time with loved ones. You don't want to share your time with family. You don't have time for this. You don't have time for that because you have got something that you're working on. You have got a project that you're doing. You have got to get this done for work or that done for work. You have to do that. And then I've shared again, back you go with somebody that works for a church. Well, I got to get this done for the pastor and I got to get this done for elder so-and-so because they got that and I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this and that. And you don't have time to greet anyone else. You don't have time to share with anyone else. You don't have time to go do anything else because you're so caught up with all this that you have to get done for everyone else and you're trying to justify that by saying well I'm doing it for the church and so what are you doing it for the church are you doing it for God did God tell you that you need to do that this is so much so important and remember I've shared this with you before God can bend time God has the capability of doing that to make things if you take and you sacrifice your time and your effort to take off during this busy course of the day. And then you want to have somebody that's so disrespectful and arrogant about theirs and say, well, what do you think you're doing over here? You're supposed to have this done by so-and-so, so-and-so. Say, so, you know, well, I was taking a couple minutes of prayer and God and I were talking and I was reading some scripture. First thing that they should do, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. They should apologize, back out, and go away. But sometimes you have those that are too arrogant with that. They're too caught up in the fact that you're not doing what they told you to do. Just be cautious in these things, brothers and sisters. Be cautious. Wherein is the import? And in due diligence. What does that mean? Constant earnest effort to accomplish what is undertaken. Persistent exertion of body and mind. So you have decided that you want to, you want to seek God. You want to study the word and you want to do this so you, you are diligent about it. That doesn't mean that you just kind of half-heartedly go out and take a look around and flip a couple pages and say, okay, that's good. No, it doesn't tell us that. It says that we must be diligent in our efforts and we must seek it. So when you seek something, you are diligent in your effort. That doesn't mean you're just going out and looking around you see it pass by and, and a quarter of a mile away and, oh, I saw it. Okay, we're good. And then you take off and go do whatever you're going to do. Okay, I... I I spent that time with God. I saw a church. I went by a church, so I'm good. It doesn't work that way. 
you have to make the effort and you seek his face to them that love the Lord God you take the time and you seek his face David talked about seeking his face you find reference to that in Psalm 105 2 through 4 you seek the Lord in his strength and you seek his face forevermore when David talks in Psalm 27 starting at verse 4 talks about that. Let's go over here and see what David's talking about. And we go, actually we can, let's go over here to Chronicles. We're going to go to the book of Chronicles. And we're going to go to Chronicles 7. 13, 14. God is speaking. And he's, God is talking to Solomon. If I shut up heaven, that there will be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Abba Yahweh. What has happened in this nation we have turned away from God and there are churches that are boarding up and closing up and they're not doing that thing. Mm. Psalm 105, 2-4. David writes this. Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him. Talk ye all of his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Seeking is not just looking around. Look over there and I'm just kind of sitting in my chair right now and I'm just sort of taking a glance over in one of my dog's bed, taking a look over here. You're just kind of looking around the room, but seeking means that you're putting an effort into finding. And you're putting an effort to it. And there are so many that have difficulty with that. They can't take the time to do that. But God took the time to step off his throne, sit down his crown, and come down here and humble himself. The Lord, maker of all things made, God and Jesus were together from the beginning. And the word was with God. The word was in God. And yet came and manifest and came here and died for us. 
he did that, but yet we can't take the time to spend time with him. Uh, um, um, um. But he will take the time to come and spend time with them that love him and seek his face. He does. Further diligence, steady and careful application, proper care and attention. <clears throat> Pardon me. So when we apply diligence to looking, we, we're going to sit down, we're going to apply time, we're going to set things aside, spend time, do effort, diligence, open the word of God, go from scripture to scripture and follow the rule of faith, from the front cover to the back cover, the back cover to the front cover, and you will find that God sews and stitches all these things together. There's no puckering in the material. It's seamless. You can go from Old Testament to the New Testament, New Testament, Old, and, and I've done and shared that with you. And scriptures are, what's a word that they would use now? They can interface. We'll get a little techie here for you all. They can interface smoothly. There's no glitch. There's no hiccup. There's no pucker in the material when God stitches it together. It goes together. The rule of faith. And we need to practice that. And you have to know, and, and here's another scripture that I'm going to share with you out of the book of Psalms. David's got a lot of good stuff, a lot of good poems and songs. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is a good is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. <clears throat> Pardon me. The truth, the word of God. But you have so many people <clears throat> that try to figure God out and try to figure out what God meant by this or what meant by that. But remember, here's a very key, <clears throat> pardon me, very key scripture. And this is important. That, so you don't go out and try to figure all this stuff out by yourself and on your own. And this is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. You love God and you really want to learn and you really want to find out, then seek his face, seek the truth and know that thing is true. And here is an important thing that we have to remember and we find this in Matthew actually. I'm sorry, I went right by that. I thought I had it marked. My apologies.
and this is again i'm going to go back to here because this is an important aspect this is when the uh the pharisees and sadducees thought they had jesus in a squeeze play and of course they found out that it was not because merely speaking his truth and he didn't have to he didn't have to verbally tell them to hush or be quiet he just spoke with truth and authority and he silenced the sadducees and if we read in Matthew twenty-two thirty-three, and when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. They were astonished at what Jesus was talking about. And this is completely different than what the the Pharisees, the religious leaders and elders at the time were teaching and what they were talking about, completely different. But his he had authority and he spoke with directness and he spoke with truth. They didn't get that from the Sanhedrin. They didn't get that from the religious elders at that time. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. And further in Matthew 22, 34, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. So they they came together. They said, okay, we got to go gang up on this Jesus because he just shut them down. These were the, man, he just, they had nothing to say. They couldn't respond to him. And then, of course, one of the Pharisees, this is where this, uh, they thought they had Jesus trapped. Um, as we read in Matthew twenty two thirty five, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, and you can almost, when I read some of the scripture, you can almost hear the um, sneering, in their side glance, their their side speech, you know, they kind of talk through one side of the mouth because they're busy with a sneer coming out of the other. Well, master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? As if they knew. And Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Now, does that not sound like diligence and effort and really seeking that love, that thing that is important to us to have that centered in our lives? That's seeking. And that's real diligence. Is that you're putting all this effort into it because you're using all your heart, your soul, and your mind together. And Paul reminds us this. We have to be like-minded. And I've shared this with you before, brothers and sisters. Our mind is important, and this is why we have to remember to have on the helmet of salvation. Because the mind is a weak link, and the devil knows this. And we also have to remember, as Jesus continues reading, this is uh, in verse 38, 
this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And I've shared this with you before. Well, who's our neighbor? Well, that's anyone really that you come in contact with. It's not just the person that lives next door to you on the end of the block. Anyone that you come in contact with, truthfully, is your neighbor. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers daily, going in and going out and coming in every day. We have to remember that we need to center and focus on God being in, with, and around us all the time. And we can meditate on God. We can take time. And you have to remember that God will make time for those that take time to spend with him and offer to him. And it's a, for many, it's a, a sacrifice. But if you take that and you make that sacrifice to him, he will honor that. And remember that he is indeed the great I am the maker of all things made and he will and does love us. Brothers and sisters, you're in my prayers. Be blessed.